Welcome back to West Bev. But three years later, and instead of Beverly Hills 90210, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's right, we've got a bonus episode coming at you for Ariel's birthday. We are doing the two-part pilot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So welcome to Sunnydale High. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is typically your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. But like I said, we're starting with the two-part pilot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mary, what happened this week? When you live in a quaint little town, sometimes you just want to climb up on the gym roof with a girl and look at it. But sometimes the girl you're with gets spooked by a scary noise and makes you check it out. Sometimes in situations like these, the scary noise gets you. Sometimes the cute girl you want to hold hands with turns out to be a vampire, drinks you, and shoves your body in a locker for your classmates to find. Welcome to Sunnydale High. (laughs) Buffy Summers is new in town, and she has a secret she can't outrun. She is the chosen one, the slayer, who defends our world from basically all the evil that exists. And it's kind of too bad for Locker Boy she didn't start school a day earlier. (laughs) On her first day of school, she meets Cordelia, mean girl, Xander, dork adjacent, and Willow, smart, adorable outcast. She also meets Principal Bob Flutie, who tears up her student record only to tape it back together when he realizes burning down the gym was on her list of extracurriculars. But most handsomely, I mean importantly, Buffy meets Giles, her watcher. She insists that she has no plans to continue being the Slayer. Unfortunately, deep under the town, an ancient evil is awakening. Buffy meets a friend who gives her some important information about the evil and a gift that later saves her life. This friend is Angel, and he acts all condescending, but he secretly cares. Buffy answers the call to action when her classmates get caught up in some vampire business. Long story short, Buffy can't run away from her destiny. Evil demands to be fought, even if you get grounded. I love every time she's just like, if the apocalypse comes, beat me. (laughs) Like, literally, I was watching a different episode earlier, and she just had her pager. It's like episode four, and she's just got a pager, and Giles is paging her from the cemetery. I mean, if you think about it, it's smart, though, because, like, she's got a lot of plates to juggle or spin or whatever that phrase is. And so how could she possibly know if there's evil lurking? Because she's not the watcher. Giles is. So he's got to let her know somehow. And this is still 1997. Yeah, they make a point in some episode of just, like, how many cemeteries there are in Sunnydale. (laughs) And she's just, like, patrolling all of them, just, like. Switching around. Monday, she's over here. Wednesday, she's over there. Friday, she's downtown. (laughs) I mean, she's the chosen one. And speaking of the chosen one, like, my first words are, what is this opening? (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, you just get this, like, mishmash of textbooks and artifacts and, like, stuff and it's like in every generation there's a chosen one she alone will stand against the vampires the demons and the forces of darkness she is the slayer and i'm like so okay i have so many questions why is it always a she not like for any other reason i just am curious why it's always a woman who Mm -hmm. decides this and then how does she become a slayer and how does she know I, i at one point I think Giles ends up saying, oh, well, it's a good thing you haven't started having the dreams yet or something like that. And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. So you got to have dreams. But 
how do you know you're supposed to just like kill a, a vampire or a demon or a force, a force of darkness? Of darkness? <laughs> like, yeah. So okay. So a little backstory. There was a movie in 1992 with 90210 references. Luke Perry, David Arquette, and Seth Green are all in it. Uh, in that movie, um, think of Buffy kind of like Veronica from Riverdale, where she's like, I used to be Cheryl. Buffy used to be Cordelia. Mm, okay. So at her old high school, she was Cordelia. She was the popular cheerleader, like didn't give a shit about anything else in the world other than going shopping and hanging out with her friends. Okay. Her watcher shows up and basically says, like, you are the chosen one. You need to fight vampires. And she's like, uh, I don't know you. Mm. But then he's like, but you're having dreams, aren't you? And she's like, why do you know that? <laughs> so, like, they make it kind of seem very specific to Buffy. Like, every time she says she has a dream, everyone's like, well, it's just a dream. And that ends up being prophetic. And she's mm. like, yes, I know. I do this all the time. Okay. But, like, that's their whole thing. And then I think it's in season six where they really get into the lore of uh, the Slayer and the Watcher. Mm -hmm. But kind of the idea, like, Joss Whedon wanted to do this whole thing where he, like, subverts the horror movie where the pretty blonde girl is the one that saves the day. But then there's also stuff that shows up in the Buffy world where it's, like, the Watcher's Council – picked women so that they could control them oh yeah it like gets real into it Buffy ends up going on like a whole spiritual journey with like ayahuasca kind of a thing to like go into her dreams and meet the first slayer and like learn the history of being a slayer it's a whole thing <laughs> it's a whole mess of red tape it really is and like it's not like the watchers know what they're doing I mean Giles sees this girl show up at school and is like I know what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. You've come to the library, you say. Good thing I'm a librarian. Like, <laughs> How many kids has he offered that book to today? <laughs> right? Ugh. I mean, okay. So backing up a little bit, because I think we have to like – I, I have to start with the, the, the opening scene where the, you first see the vampire, because immediately I recognize Julie Benz. Rita mm -hmm. from Dexter. She is yep. so recognizable. Love her so much. Um, but I'm like, th why are there so many creepy things in this school? Like, I assume it was the science room. But, yep. yeah, you see, like, skeletons and beakers and, and things, like, on the table. And this boy and this girl break in. Why? Couldn't they just, like, I don't know, go somewhere else? But anyway... <laughs> They decide to, like, have the thing here, and all of a sudden, boom! See, I thought he was going to be a bad guy, but no, no. It's Rita. Rita's a demon of some sort, and I'm like, oh, are you a vampire? Are you a demon? Are you a force of darkness? What are you? And then we get the actual opening credits, which is wonderful. Um, I did really enjoy the opening credits, and it makes me think how far we've come with opening credits. <laughs> but this was a great, like, 97 opening credits. I did love it. Yeah, and so okay, with the opening credits, like I have I have so many fun facts. Yep. So the music, mm -hmm. Nerf Herder, Allison Hannigan is the one that told them about Nerf Herder to find their intro music. Love it. And then the way it goes from like the old organ music into the like kind of rock music, that was mm -hmm. kind of on purpose to be like, Okay, you're coming into a scary show, but like it's Buffy. Right. And then so 
this was a mid-season replacement. So they had filmed all of the episodes before they aired. So, like, all, everything that happens in that intro is from this season. Okay. Uh, but then they also had no money because they were mid-season season replacement. Like, there was literally no expectation for them. So what Joss Whedon had originally wanted to do was put Jesse in the credits and then kill him off and then take him out of the credits in episode two. But they didn't have enough money for it. Oh. I mean, to be honest, coming into this completely blind, because the only thing I know about Buffy the Vampire Slayer is Sarah Michelle Gellar and David... Oriennes. Okay. I've always said it differently. But yes, him. I've only known them. Pretty much. Well, Allison Hannigan to an extent, too. But, like, I know nothing about the plot. I know nothing about anything. So if they put Jesse in there or if they left him out, I never been, would have been any wiser. So maybe, like, that was okay <laughs> that they didn't. And, like, while I appreciate Joss wanting to, like, be smart with it, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I I listened to the audio commentary, and I tend not to because, like, while I love this show – Joss Whedon is a very controversial character, which we can get into later because I have a lot of opinions. Okay. But even, like, listening to him is horrible. Like, the first thing he says in the audio commentary is, like, oh, my God, you must have so much time on your hands to want to come here and listen to me. Like, he's already being mm. mean to the viewer who paid for his DVD. So that's an interesting thing. And I, I don't know if we should get into it now with Joss Whedon, but... I mean, I was telling Nate that I was watching Buffy and I was like, and you know, we have to bring it up because of all the crap that's happened with Joss Whedon. And he's like, well, wasn't Buffy like his first thing? So I went to his credits. It was his first main thing. Like he had done other little things and he had been a part of things, but this was like his thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, so he, Nate was trying to make the argument, not an argument, but he was trying to say like, well, maybe this was when like the power like got to his head because in, in a lot of these situations, it's a power dynamic more than anything else. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. He probably thought he was like super big for his britches at this point, just getting his own show, getting to call the shots, like all that kind of stuff. I mean, nothing is ever excusable, but I just thought it was interesting that this guy who has now, you know, blown up through the stratosphere basically started with this and where he got off on being the dirtbag that he is. Yeah. The, like, that's the thing, though, is, like, you know, what sort of white man confidence is it that, like, in 1992, when you write Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then, like, the studio comes in and give notes, changes the thing that you want, and then you get an argument with an actor on set and you walk off the movie mm -hmm. and then five years later someone's like well I really liked that movie so how about I just give you a new show yeah no kidding like how how does that even happen and then yeah I mean if we want to like really get into Joss Whedon like him having Buffy the Vampire Slayer he was this whole like I'm a feminist I'm an ally I care about everything I want to subvert the trope and make the girl the hero and like there's this famous interaction that I honestly can't even say whether it's true or false, but somebody interviewing him asked when he's going to stop writing these strong female characters. And he says, when you stop asking me those questions, like he has won awards for being a feminist, but like the women that he has worked with have never hidden how he treated them. Charisma Carpenter has been talking about how much he like emotionally abused her for years 
before he mm. got Avengers. He got Avengers and the Justice League after Charisma Carpenter spent like a decade being like, when I got pregnant, he pulled me aside and asked me if I was going to keep it. He called her fat. When she was told she needed to scale back her hours, she was like, he retaliated against me and made my call times 1 a.m. He wasn't allowed to be alone in a room with Michelle Trachtenberg because she was a kid when she was on Buffy. Oh Sarah gosh. Michelle Geller will not talk about it. And it's just like, I don't want to be associated with him. Like, I just can't talk about it. I like, she sides with everybody who has like come out against him, but she's like, I cannot, I don't want to be associated with Joss Whedon anymore. Wow. I mean, and, that's what I was going to ask was like, cause I had never actually heard of Sarah Michelle Geller saying anything like one way or the other, you know? So, um, because I, I just feel like that would have been like major, major news to hear, you know, the woman who was the face of a franchise for ever, basically, and still is because they talk, they do reunion talks all the time. Um, you know, if, if she was ever personally like victimized. And I mean, I assume she was because she was a leading role. She's call sheet number one. Oh, yeah. Like, honestly, so many people have come out and said things like Amber Benton's Amber Benson who you meet in season four, like she's come out and said stuff. Mm -hmm. um, James Marsters, who's in season two, and a white man was even just like, oh, yeah, he would threaten me. Mm. Like J Joss Whedon is not a good man, and yet he got multiple Avengers movies. He got Justice League. Like he got to be involved in all of these different things. And then like, yeah, it's still coming out. I mean, Ray Fisher on Justice League was like – like, he came out and said exactly how he was treated on set, and Joss Whedon's ex-wife said that he was abusive. Abusive. Good lord. You know, and it really sucks, like, the whole art versus artist kind of situation here, because, like, I thoroughly enjoyed this pilot, this two-part pilot, and I would continue watching. And, you know, so I, I think it's important for us to, like, address the elephant in the room and kind of, like... Make sure, like, listeners, like, you know, like, we're not blind to all of this, right? But that's not also, like, this is Ariel's favorite show ever. So, unfortunately, it was head up by a scumbag. But fortunately, we get Sarah Michelle Geller out of it. So, <laughs> um, there is some silver lining, albeit amongst a lot, a lot of crap. Yeah, and I mean, like, when you get into it, I, like... Allison Hannigan, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Charisma Carpenter, like they made this show. Yeah. Nicholas Brendan is also fantastic, but he is very clearly a Joss Whedon insert, and I hate his character. Like Xander, mm. probably my least favorite character on the show. Interesting. I cannot stand it. He does not <laughs> have a great track record. Well, I I would kind of agree with you. Um I, I didn't hate him. <laughs> I didn't hate him. I just, I was like, okay, I, I see where you're going. Like, I see who you are. Like, I very much understood his purpose immediately. Yeah, I think it's honestly probably closer to episode five where you really start, where I really start to hate him. <laughs> that early, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I hate to say it, it's his first, like, main storyline mm, okay like they have you know this is a show about like supernatural things so like it can't always affect Buffy I mean even in this first episode they put Allison Hannigan they put uh, Willow into physical danger with a vampire yep because 
the best way to get at the Slayer, this very specific Slayer, is to go after her friends. Very true, as is the case with most superheroes, right? Once That's why most superheroes, or at least superhero figures, try not to, or at least try to hide who they are and who their allies are, because otherwise, the bad guys go after them. It's a classic superhero trope. Um, not Buffy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Buffy, this... Yeah, I have many thoughts on that specific thing. So let's get into it. Okay. So Buffy's still sleeping. She's having these dreams. She even dreams of a graveyard. And a lot of the, the, the scenes and the clips we kind of saw in the beginning, um, demons and such, literal notes there. Um, but one particularly scary thing makes her wake up. And the first thing I notice when she wakes up, they pulled the same bullshit that Beverly Hills did with the packing boxes and it being the first day of school. We hear, you know, Mama uh, Summers call up and tell her it's time to get up because it's your first day of school. And I'm like, girl, when did you move? <laughs> like, did you move today? <laughs> I mean, you know, they get into it like she gets to school and her mom is just like trying not to get kicked out. Yeah. And I'm like, give me the backstory right now. I didn't have to wait too long. You really don't because like there's a couple little interstitial scenes like, you know, she's walking in. Xander is skateboarding his way up to school and you're supposed to see him like skateboarding on the sidewalk surrounded by people and just being like, oh, my God, coming through. Excuse me. Blah, blah, blah. And then like the physical comedy, I will say, I love the physical comedy. Like he ran into that uh, handrail. Like it was his job. <laughs> Weird. It was his job to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then he never rides a skateboard ever again. Oh, thank God. That'll teach you. Uh, but yeah, he sees, quote unquote, Willow and asks for help with math. And then, you know, we see like all of these boys just saying, new girl, new girl, new girl, like like the, the mine pelicans or whatever <laughs> birds from Finding Nemo. And... Buffy, we learn, is a sophomore, so classic starting point for pretty much every teen TV show is start when they're sophomores. Um, and she meets with the principal, who says, we get a clean slate, and rips up her transcript or whatever that was. And then he learns, like, oh, wait, you mean you have arson on your track record? Maybe I shouldn't have ripped that up. And I love that he literally just, like, puts the pieces wherever he can and puts them back together. He did not put that piece of paper back correctly. Yeah, no, not at all. And just like watching Sarah Michelle Gellar's face, like watching Buffy as he rips this thing apart and is like, students are free to call me Bob, but they don't. Yeah, no. And then this is one thing I absolutely loved. And I was like, I'm going to love this dialogue. They pull a classic Supergirl move. And she says, well, it's only because it was full of vamp." Asbestos. That reminds me of the the time that Gara is talking to Lena and she's like, oh, it was no problem. I flew here on a bus. <laughs> also, since you've already brought up Arrowverse. Uh, How could I not? <laughs> I mean, of course. But uh, Wentworth Miller is a guest star in the first season. Oh, I thought you were going to say first episode. I was like, I missed no. him? <laughs> no, he's in the first. I want to say he's in like episode six or seven. Like it's in the later episodes. It's another Xander episode. So it's a real it's a real struggle for me because I usually try and skip the Xander episodes. But <laughs> I can't like he plays a swimmer on the school swim team. 
Him oh. and Shane West. <gasps> oh, my. Yeah. Fun guest stars. You have the two of them. You have Amy Adams. Wow. Kalia Duvall. Cal Penn. Wow. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait. Okay. It's so good. That's exciting news. That's very exciting news. But yeah, I just love that immediately the dialogue like brings you in. You have you they don't try to overwhelm you with like the supernatural in the beginning. They try to make it very easy to comprehend. First day of school, you're meeting different types of people and you're you're immediately getting charmed by Buffy, which is hilarious because Charmed was also a show. Um anywho, so we're in class. And somebody named Cordelia shares her textbook with her and offers to show her where the library is. Very kind on the first day. Then we get a very, like, um, interesting walk and talk here. It, it was giving me, like, Mean Girls vibes. It was giving me, um, I know you guys, I don't think you guys watched it, but, like, Jenny and Georgia vibes. Like, classic, classic teen TV show where the popular girl offers to be her friend, but also needs to know if you're cool or not kind of tells you like who's cool who's not but then assesses you and that little coolness factor test was hilarious oh my gosh I loved it so much for she's just like I I can't tell if she just like has these things ready or if she just came up with them that morning where she was like vamp nail polish James Spader frappuccinos (laughs) (laughs) it felt like uh you know how like people who are um Special agents are like in like spies and things like that. They have the like whiskey tango. And then you respond with like caterpillar green monster, like whatever, <laughs> like the, your little code words. That's what it made me think of. <laughs> I just love And like Cordelia is honestly such an amazing character. Like she is so unapologetically herself that even when yeah. she's a bitch, I can't not love her I mean like literally right after this they go to stop at the water fountain and she looks at Willow and goes oh I see you found the softer side of Sears I know and then she asked if she was done and Willow's just like with what <laughs> like, what? like like, what are you talking about <laughs> uh, and I love Willow so much like she she knows where she sits on like the social ladder yeah but she's not upset about it like the way that no. Allison Hannigan delivers lines is just like so positive and just like also, Willow is like, she knows who she is. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm really smart. I have like two friends in my life. Bye. Yeah. Like she's so weird, but like her own kind of weird and she's cool with it. Yeah. No, I immediately loved it. And like, I haven't always been a huge Allison Hannigan fan. There's just something about her that always kind of bothered me. Not, I mean, nothing against her. It just, I didn't vibe, but I vibe with Willow in this show so far. Like, Allison Hannigan, I think, is perfect for this role. I don't know why, but she's just – her delivery, I think, is super strong. Like, there is one – there's one line. I forget where. I may have written it down. But there's a line where she delivers it with, like, a lilt in her voice instead of it being, like, sad. And I was like, yes, that's that's great. Like, I don't. Oh, I wish I wrote it down. I may have, but it might be later on. But anyway, I really like Willow so far, uh, and I love how Buffy's like immediately like, "Hmm, I can fucks with you," and like she kind of follows her the rest of the episode. Yeah, well, it's it's very Veronica Lodge of like I've been Cordelia and I don't want to be that anymore. Yeah, so I'm gonna go hang out with Willow. Very much so. And I will say, Allison Hannigan was actually a recast. She was not the original Willow. 
Ooh, who was? Do you know? I don't remember. I've seen the original pilot, and they did a, f- a few recasts, but Willow is, like, okay. the one that stands out the most because, like, even from this pilot to the next few episodes, like, her clothing doesn't get less dorky. Like, <laughs> she wears, like, pink fuzzy sweaters and, like, Aww. tights. She's adorable. But the, like, kind of shapeless Sears dress with, like, a sweater wrapped around her waist, that – it goes up a little higher than that. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and, like, yeah, this whole idea of them was supposed to be, like, Buffy is the unattainable. She is the slayer. She is the chosen one. But then, like, Willow and Xander and Jesse, your best friends. Yeah, they're, like, very normal people, right? They're not really part of any, like, specific group, which makes them very easy to identify with, I, yeah. I guess you could say. But yeah, so then like Buffy learns about this club, the bronze, which apparently lets everybody in, la la la. But then Buffy gets to the library where she needed to go to get that textbook. Um, and we immediately get some creepy music. It seems like it's deserted. She, they, The camera focuses on this one specific article in the newspaper that says local boy is still missing. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Giles comes in. We meet the librarian. And apparently he already knows Buffy. And he just, like, offers up that book. Mary's like, yeah, how many girls did he bring up this book to? But seriously, he just, like, thuds the book on the desk, and it just says vampire. And Buffy, like, is like, no, and runs. (laughs) I I love it. He's like, oh, my mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Whoops. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) It was very much the, anyway, (laughs) just move on. Like, yeah, she just bails. He doesn't even... He's not even like, but history textbooks? Yeah. No, she's just gone. I love it. Um, and then. And, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and then we get, I'm going to go ahead and reveal it because it, I can't not say this quote. I get my quote of the week immediately. And it's just like these random girls in the gym talking amongst themselves about the new girl. And they're into <laughs> One of them's like, what kind of a name is Buffy? And then somebody like around the corner is like, oh, hey, Aphrodisia. <laughs> I died. I was like, that's it. Pause. <laughs> type, 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 type. <laughs> no, I love those girls so much. They are in it for like a split second. But like the way they're talking, we're like, Neg, pause. And she was starting yes. fights. Neg Lee. And then the other one just like unleashes this scream. When the body oh falls God. on her. Such a good scream. It lasted so long. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, there are like amazing screams in the show. Like that's a weird thing to say, but like there's episodes where Buffy has to scream and like, ugh, it like you can hear it coming out of Sarah Michelle Gellar's diaphragm. Oof. It is yeah. so good. I don't know. If I was an actor, I don't know that I would be able to do those screams like I don't have a girly voice so first of all my scream would be like ah (laughs) and I just wouldn't want to no I always like I always wonder what my scream would sound like because that's not something that you just do because like if anyone hears a scream they're going to be like oh my god what's wrong with you and you're like no I'm just practicing just in case I ever get (laughs) discovered just working on my various screams but like oh man Ugh, I, lo- I love it. And I love that, you know, we have this moment and then we pan outside and Buffy's going to talk to Willow and she's like, Willow, right? And Willow goes, why? 
that's what I'm saying. Like her delivery kind of like just makes you want to get her to keep talking, you know, like, cause I'm just like, what are you going to say next? I just want to know. And she keeps talking. She's like, how much she loves Giles and he's really cool and he brought a a bunch of really cool books because he used to be with a British museum or the British museum. (laughs) Not sure. (laughs) Then Xander and Jesse show up and no one cares about them. But then Cordelia shows up and just goes, Jim was canceled due to the extreme dead guy in the locker room. Very good. Very good dialogue. Very good dialogue. Just, and Buffy's like, wait, what? And then so she immediately takes it upon herself to go investigate what's going on. Yeah, there actually is a deleted scene where she does try and like get into the locker room to see the body. And Principal Flutie is like, why? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like she, she's like, oh, I just I just want to see. And he's like, well, I don't know why you'd want to see if you weren't involved. And she was like, I wasn't. But like, were there any marks? And he's like, if we were going to be talking about this. We shouldn't be talking about this. And you should go talk to somebody else about this. That's so interesting. Because now, like, I'm thinking Riverdale, like, they just go to the crime scenes and they're just, no questions asked. Like, allowed to be there. Sure, Jughead, Betty, go ahead and get, you can quote me on this. Like, (laughs) that's because there is no line between adult and children in Riverdale. And, like, that's fair. Buffy is still trying to do this traditional thing where, like, if it is a teenage show, there are clearly delineated differences between the kids and the adults. Mm-hmm. And they at least try, if the if the kids are going to be investigators, to not make the adults too stupid. Mm, okay. But, I mean, even later after, like, Xander sees vampires for himself and, he, like, Buffy's like, oh, it was just a trick of the light. And, like, those guys just had really bad skin. And, like, you will do anything to, like, talk your way out of what you just saw. That's a lot of what they say the adults do. Mm, okay. Yeah. That makes there's, sense. There's an adult later who really clings on calling vampires PCP users. He's like, it was PCP. All of it was PCP. Interesting drug choice there. <laughs> yeah. every I feel like every now and then he throws in meth, but it's usually PCP. Oh, that's funny. It's like the classic like busybody type of adult. But yeah, yeah so – Buffy, like, she's trying to open the door or whatever, and then she just manhandles it. And I'm like, okay, homie has super strength. Cool, cool, cool. Good to know. But also, is it to the point of super strength where, you know, like, in again, Supergirl, when she goes to shake people's hands, she accidentally shakes it too hard. And they're like, whoa, that's quite a handshake you got there. You know, something like that. Or is it just she actually knows how to control her strength and... You know, pulls the whole, like, Anissa, like, and then uses her strength. I, yeah, I, so when she finally accepts everything and starts working with Giles, it's a lot of training with him. And, like, pretty early on, you can tell that she pulls her punches with Giles. Like, there's even fight scenes between the two of them where he's, like, don't hold back. And then she just, like, kicks the shit out of him. And he's, like, okay, training's over. (laughs) I think it's so funny how there always has to be some commoner who trains the super person you know like because obviously there if there were two superheroes then like there would need somebody to train the second super. like you know it can't just be two super there has to be one superhero and then a commoner to train them it that's so funny 
yeah, she's got super strength. I think it's like super agility. Like she can run really fast and like react really fast. And mm-hmm. I mean, you saw her flips later, mm-hmm. which pretty much go away after this because they couldn't afford to keep doing them. That's so funny. Yeah. That's like so Josh, funny. Josh says in the commentary, like they just never do it again, partially because they couldn't afford to. And then partially because he was like, why wouldn't she just run? It's not very far. Like, she could have just jumped off the table, but no, she flipped. Right. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Because when supers do too much, it ends up usually being that much more unbelievable. So I appreciate that, actually. I mean, outside of the fact that their hands were tied anyway. But, but yeah, so Buffy, like, she runs over to Giles. She's, like, going on this rant about not caring that there's vampires here. You know, like she's trying to be like, well, I don't care. I'm t-. And he's like, well, why are you telling me this? And she's like, well, because I don't care. And I thought you should know that I don't care. And it was in this moment where I was like, I get it. I get why so many people, men and women alike, fell in love with Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> right? Like, oh, she just acts this so perfectly. She's just so charming and so believable in such a non like an unbelievable environment, you know? So yeah. I get it. No, they originally shot this scene in the library with Buffy and Giles with Buffy being like very angry about this where it's like, I don't want to do this and you can't make me do this. But like, yeah, it didn't make her seem that approachable. And even Sarah Michelle Geller was like, I don't think this is how we need to go with it. Hmm. So they ended up reshooting – her half of the argument, like, months later. It was, like, the very last thing they shot. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good editing, then. Right? Because feel clunky. Yeah. I, I mean, it just goes to show how good of an actor she is. Like, yeah. she can remember what Anthony Stewart Head was doing and be able to, like, give back exactly what she intended to. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just... I love it all. Like, she's finally, like, kind of on board. Because, yeah, like you said, she was like, I don't care, but I just want you to know I don't care. Yeah. And then Giles starts explaining to her that Sunnydale is on a hellmouth. And I love when he's, like, ducking in and out of his office while he's trying to explain things to her. But he's like, I have a book. I mean, just, it's the hellmouth. It's it's a convergence. It's, it's everything that you've ever thought about that couldn't have been real is here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, you get the exposition necessary to, like, keep moving things forward, right? Like, now we have the admission and kind of the acceptance that, like, Buffy is the Slayer, the Chosen One, whatever. And then we get the exposition of, like, all right, well, here's the situation. Here's my purpose and why you and I need to be close. And there's this impending doom right under our feet. And we need to figure it out or else it's literally going to be the end of the world. Yeah. And you really get the Buffy and Giles relationship like pretty immediately. Like he starts handing her all of these books, expecting her to want to read them. And she immediately (laughs) hands them back and is like, what did you send away for the Time Life series? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, uh, yes. (laughs) He's like, yes, I did. Oh, I love that. I love that he like nerds out on it unapologetically. And like, I just, oh, she like still kind of fights back. She's like, why don't you stop them? And he has literally never thought of this in his life. He's like, well, I'm a watcher. (laughs) And I feel like it's so obvious that like, yeah, Buffy is still a relatively new slayer, but Giles is brand new at this job. Like he Mm -hmm. literally just showed up and is just like, 
let's go hunt some vampires. Like he did not expect her to push back at all. And it's just like, I don't understand. They didn't train him for this. Yeah. Like he just fell into this. She fell into the library. Like it's all happening so, so fast. And the scene was in like a perfect segue to my confusion as to how they had a low budget, because I thought the practical effects were great. The makeup was excellent. The the set design, even though it was very clearly a set, was wonderful. You know, like there were so many good, like they at one point show a close up on, um, her name's Darla, but I'm going to call her Rita because I love her, of her side profile. And you can see like how well the makeup blended between her demon face and her regular face. And I was just like, man, this is like really good makeup. And I never noticed stuff like that because there's so much these days that's CG and stuff that you can't tell if it's CG or practical. Like you just don't know. But this you absolutely know because it's 1997 and they didn't have CG back then. So yeah, so we're down here, presumably below Sunnydale High. We see this guy in a suit, which was interesting, with a torch someone heavy mouth breathing and just over and over the sleeper will wake over and over and over. And finally, and the world will bleed. And I'm like, Oh boy, I forgot this was a supernatural show (laughs) and a little scary. Right? Like I was like, hold on. And am I going to be scared of this show? And I really hope I'm not because I'm a scaredy, scaredy cat. So that might actually happen. But I think so far there's been enough to like, make me feel okay about it you know what I mean yeah honestly I feel like you know I'm not super scared of things but like I I can get pretty scared I feel like the things that are scariest in this show is when there's much more of a sense of realism to it like when it's vampires when it's demons when it's even when it's witches and all this Mm -hmm. stuff I'm like okay it's supernatural I know Buffy's gonna get out of it I'm totally fine but then when it's like you know, Buffy's mom dates some guy who like immediately steps into her life and tries to control her, played by John Ritter. Oh, love that. Yeah. And like they get into a physical altercation and they call the cops and she's like, he hit me. And they're like, you don't have any bruises because she's the slayer. She doesn't bruise easily. Oh, boy. So it's like. That's scarier. Yeah. Like stuff like that scares me so much more than the supernatural. And there are some really scary supernatural stuff like yeah. The season five Big Bad, terrifying. There's an episode in season four, Hush, that is like award winning. It's terrifying. Yeah, I've heard like that's like the most iconic, one of the most iconic episodes of television out there. It like, it's, yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. It is absolutely. I mean, terrifying. that makes me think of like Jessica Jones, Kilgrave as the villain. Like that. He might be one of the single most terrifying villains I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Because it's it felt real. Like, even though he, he had superpowers, the power that it was could be very realistic. Well, and yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it is that like kind of realism stuff where like this man just like exists in the world and he can just tell you to do this thing and you were just compelled to do it. So, yeah, yeah. there is a supernatural element to it. But like that feels a lot more believable than – you know, some of the stuff that happens on Buffy. Right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So then we're like back on 
regular high ground and Buffy's getting ready to go to this club and her mom's like, you know, what kind of club, like what asking about the club. And she's like, no mom, it's a nun club. (laughs) Classic teenager. I love Joy so much. She's trying so hard, but like, what do you do when your kid just burned down a gym? Exactly. And like, she's even trying to go the route of like, I'm doing research on this. Like I'm trying not to be the like, authoritative mom I'm trying to be the cool mom but I have to like I have to discipline you you know it was a very Cindy Walsh kind of mom like but a little bit of punishment whereas Cindy Walsh doesn't know how to punish yeah and like Buffy does try and reassure her she says from now on I'm only gonna hang out with the living the lively (laughs) again yeah so this it was at that point where I was like wait so mom doesn't know she's a slayer interesting that will be complicated and so I was like so who knows at this point and at this point it's just Buffy and Giles yeah well so at this point when they has Xander found out yet just from Mm -hmm. overhearing them I think he did overhear her when she was talking to Giles about how I don't care yeah and I'm not gonna be the slayer he was like behind some books yes yeah because he talks to her at the bronze like I'm telling you I have like a blind spot when it comes to Xander I just tune him out that's fair he had a very like Matt Dillon look about him you guys know Matt Dillon yeah like I think it was because the middle part and like back in the day Matt Dillon was like one of the few that could rock a middle part so I was like I'll give you a chance but he wasn't as cool as Matt Dillon so anyway so Buffy's on her way to the club, and this is where I'm like, oh, crap, someone's following her. I thought it was a vampire. Obviously, that's what they want you to believe. Yeah, that's the point. But then I was like, wait a minute, when does that guy come in? And I was like, does he come in in the pilot? And I knew it was Angel, but like in the moment, I was like, I don't remember his name. But laughed out loud at Buffy's little gymnast balance on the bar. <laughs> I love it so much. Like... It's so good, and it really, like, is supposed to set this tone of, like, Buffy is the slayer. Like, she got herself up there and held so perfectly still Mm -hmm. that he didn't even know she was there. But then when she swings down and then flips backwards and lands, like, she never does it again. She never does gymnastics to that extent. (laughs) But, like, her stunt double double worked hard. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And they actually did a pretty good job of, like – not being too obvious that it was a stunt double. But it was just interesting to learn a little bit about Angel. You don't know his name at this point, but he he kind of like double talks her a little bit because she's like, what do you want? He's like, what do you want? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, cool. And all he really says to her is like, you're standing at the mouth of hell and it's about to open. And then he throws something at her, a gift, I guess, and tells her to be prepared for the harvest. She's super confused by that, but he opens it and it's cross necklace. So obviously we know we're dealing with vampires because obviously crucifixes, vampires, they don't mix. Yeah. And I mean, like to her credit, she puts it on pretty quickly. Yeah. She's very trusting of this guy that she doesn't meet. I mean, that she doesn't know. And upon meeting, like tells somebody else, or I think it was Giles, she tells him, she's like, I don't even like this guy. He was pretty, but I don't like him. (laughs) Well, and I love that Giles at that point is like, oh my God, what is this harvest that he tells you about? And not like, who is this man? This stranger. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
like one thing I just always find so funny is that David Boreanaz is supposed to be Angel is 19 and David Boreanaz is 28. And so like it's not so bad at the beginning, but by the end of Angel, he is 35 still playing this younger character. Oh, man. And it's just like so very obvious that he is an older man. And like he still looks beautiful, but I'm like, you are not the age they say you are. No, like you asked me, I wasn't even sure if he was like a, uh, what you call it, an immortal being or something or, or somebody that could just live for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? Like I I just assumed he was, I mean, realistically, like mid-30s. <laughs> and he's like 28. He's Andrea, but in male form. Yeah. And Cordelia, like Charisma Carpenter is older too. And so it's the same thing. Like she... I think she's like 27 and supposed to be playing a 15 year old. And so it's the same thing where like, you know, she goes through to Angel is around for like six seasons. So she's in her 30s playing an early 20 year old. That's so wild. It's so funny. I mean, again, like I understand why they do it, but. And she was a perfect cast. Like both of them are very well cast in these roles, but like. Yeah, once you get to, like, season three and four of Angel, you're just like, oh, my God, you guys are not 19, 20, 21. <laughs> you're just not. Right. Oh, that's so funny. But, yeah, like, Buffy has this whole interaction with Angel, and then she goes inside to the bronze and, like, is so desperate to find people. I love the, like, moment where she walks in and the guy waves, and she waves back, not realizing, like, I have no idea who this man is. I and- loved it. Also, fun story about the bronze. It is an all-ages club. They keep going back even when they're in college and, like, of drinking age. And the bronze is just there. I'm like, what 21-year-old goes to the same club they went to at 15? I will say One Tree Hill did that, too. They go to Trick, which is their all-ages club in high school and after. And this is – they skip college. So they're going back to Trick after college. (laughs) just love it like uh, Buffy gave me unrealistic expectations I assumed there would be an all-ages club for me to go to and there wasn't and I just had to go to like caribou coffee on Friday nights right I was hitting up what's that one um borders not even Barnes and Noble but <laughs> borders <laughs> but this all-ages club was dope grunge is alive and well in this place um and which is so interesting to me because you know I'm so used to like club music not this is not club music to me right and so here in grunge I was like I'd go to that club (laughs) right well and so like Buffy as a show very specifically used like unsigned bands or like very new bands that just wanted the exposure which is why unlike 90210 all of these episodes are on streaming got it because they weren't super well known and to be fair, they do use some bigger names. Like Michelle Brandt shows up at some point. <gasps> Love it. Yeah. But like it's very rare that that happens and they really stick to the smaller bands. And then like there's a character that shows up next season in a band. So like hmm. every now and then they just put his band up on the stage. I mean, it saves money. It saves like, yeah, it saves a lot of stuff. I mean, think about it. Riverdale just has their characters sing. So that's yeah. their soundtrack. <laughs> No, it's really convenient. And Buffy is not the only one that has come to this club alone. Willow came alone and is sitting at the bar. I can't believe Willow's here. She is sitting alone at the bar eating raisins. (laughs) 
She is who I need in my life. Like, I think I need a willow in my life. I love her so much. And she's just like, oh, I was hoping Xander would show up and then, you know, gives the backstory that she and Xander dated when they were five and then like broke up. And it's basically just been an unrequited love for her since then. She's just in love with Xander. And (laughs) Buffy is just telling her like, oh, my gosh, well, you need to seize the day because tomorrow you might be dead. And like she actually means literally. (laughs) Yeah. And Willow like doesn't get that and it's just like oh that's really nice mm-hmm. I love her she's so positive like Buffy goes to leave to talk to Giles she's like I'll be back in a minute and Willow's like that's okay you don't have to come back yeah she's like do what you want I'm just gonna be me and my raisins over here like yeah you love you love to see that kind of character because you don't see that very often you do wonder like what's her thing though, right? Like what's her hook? What's her insecurities? What what's she got going on? What's her baggage? Which again gives me that kind of like um boyhood kind of mentality where I'm like there's got to be a car crash in here somewhere. You know, but no, it could just be that Willow just is how she is and she's cool with it. Don't worry. Willow gets her stuff. I mean, later you find out she's a master hacker. Oh right, yes. I make a comment about that later on, so I'm 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 excited to get to that part. I love it so much, but like, yeah, we have so much to do to get there. Because yeah, Buffy goes up to the balcony where Giles is, and he's like really interested to hear about the harvest. And this is where he's like, "You need to, you know, work on your senses. You need to be able to find a vampire anywhere here. You need to be able to hone in." And then she's like, "There's one. Look how he's dressed." And I love that Giles goes. But you didn't hone. <laughs> I know. Like, you didn't do the thing you're supposed to do. It was very, like, video game tutorial. You know, like, you have to use your special power to find the vampire. You won't just notice one. And then she does. And he's like, but you didn't press A. Like, <laughs> you didn't do the thing. You have to start the tutorial over again. <laughs> yeah. Don't skip tutorial. You need it. And to be fair, the show, like, pretty much abandons this idea that vampires never learn how to dress with the current age, basically Mm -hmm. after this guy. Like, it just doesn't come back. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it makes sense. They're, like, trying to figure out, like, exactly where they want to go, how they need to, like, work things in, how they need to make things more complicated. I get it. I get it. But, yeah, she the thing is, is, like, she ends up finding, yeah, a vampire. She tries to go intervene. But what she doesn't realize is, like, is this the only one? Yeah, she walks right past Darla because she is focusing on the one thing she didn't hone. <laughs> but to be fair, 70s man is like taking Willow to a secondary location because Buffy right. told her to seize the day. Exactly. So she feels like super responsible, not just for the whole vampire situation, but the fact that she told Willow, this innocent, very innocuous, just very normal girl, and now she's like potentially being kidnapped. So. Yeah, it, I find it kind of hilarious that Willow has lived on a Hellmouth her entire life and just follows this man who's like, let's go to an ice cream store. Like, do not follow someone to a second location. No, never. And yeah, Buffy like immediately stops listening to Giles, who I also want to point out, she calls him a textbook with arms and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the other thing about this show. I feel like I would need to watch it a second time. To really get all the dialogue, right? Like, this could be a show that in a matter of, like, three re- rewatches, I'm catching new things. 
oh yeah like and it is so quotable like Mm -hmm. right after this you know Buffy's trying to go find Willow and she kind of like goes into a back storeroom just like breaks a chair leg off with like it was nothing like it was a toothpick Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like accidentally attacks Cordelia with it and Cordelia just looks at her and goes what is your childhood trauma I mean fair (laughs) excellent question Cordelia (laughs) I just love her so much she's like before so they were planning on doing this two-part pilot but they ran out like they didn't have enough footage so they threw in some of these extra scenes with Cordelia just because they knew like they could get charisma carpenter talking and she would just be cordelia like later when she's sitting with her friends and her friend tries to talk and she's like excuse me motor mouth can i get a word in edgewise yes oh like, my gosh those are things they just threw in because they knew cordelia could just like take up space i love that and i just love earlier and she's like nobody cool has epstein bar anymore yeah i was like i don't even know what this is it's mono <laughs> Wow. All right. Cordelia's got layers. I love her so much. And then, yeah, like Buffy lets her go and all of Cordelia's little friends come in, but she's digging into her purse being like, excuse me, I have to call everyone I have ever met (laughs) right now. (laughs) You're so right about this being quotable. I mean, because it's it's not even just the quotes. It's the way that they're delivered, too. Yeah. Like, there's, there's so much. Well, even like, like when looking for Willow, she also runs into Xander, who's just like, "I hope he's not a vampire, because I guess you'll have to slay him," or something. And, she, and like, she's like, "Wait, yeah, you know, <laughs> I do have to do that." Yeah, and he's like, "Wait, what? You're serious about this?" Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Yeah, he just like kind of looks past it because he thinks she's so beautiful and just like goes with her. Yeah, don't you know, new girl. You know, while all of this is happening above ground, we take this quick stop below ground where who we find out later is the master is rising up out of the pool of blood. Mm-hmm. Full <laughs> disclosure, I thought that was Angel. The, the vessel. Oh, really? At first, because I was like, the hair, I could see it. Like, the jaw, I could see it. And then I'm like, there's no way. Nope. That guy's name is Luke. And he actually ends yeah. up coming back later as a different character because they needed someone for like a very short arc. And so to do this vamp makeup, they have to take a cast of your face and then oh. build the prosthetics to put over you. That makes Which sense. like actually after these first couple episodes, they toned down the makeup just because it took so much effort to put it on because it was so good. Like everyone stops looking so pasty. They start looking like they have a tan. Mm, interesting. Yeah. But they – like needed this other character I think it's season four and they just called this guy up because they were like we have a mold of your face are you busy for a few weeks (laughs) like and he played it well it was really good but yeah the master like rises up out of this blood and is just very chatty well hungry he was very like gosh I'm trying to remember who oh he reminded me a little bit of I don't remember his name, but I guess it was, it was maybe like the Grandmaster or something from what we do in the shadows. You know, oh, the, the yeah. Baron, the Baron, yeah. that's who it was. Kind of gave me those vibes, just mostly because it was like a tall, skinny, white, old guy, but 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and I just love how everyone plays things multidimensional. Like, yeah, they Willow is like this loser nerd for lack of a better word, but like she plays it so positively and like she brings mm-hmm. so much character to Willow. And then the master is supposed to be like this amazing, like great evil that nobody but the slayer can stop. And he's just like, Luke, I'm hungry. Bring me <laughs> someone young. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot. Totally to your point, like there's so many dimensions going on here that it's not, I think that's why the pilot lands really strong because like you need to see a little bit more about each of these characters. Like you don't just, you don't not care about them. Yeah. Like, you know, we go like basically real time, we go back up to the real world. I guess, and they're in a cemetery and the 70s vamp is like, oh, this is a faster way to the ice cream shop, but then just like steers Willow into a mausoleum. And again, girl needs to learn how to bail. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. comfortable. I'm not going into a mausoleum with presumably one exit. Yep. But no. And then like Darl is in there. They're like right about to attack and then Buffy shows up to save the day. And she immediately just like drives this stake through the male vampire and he just poofs i forget what they call it, dusts he yeah. just dusts into thin air and willow and uh and xander are just like what just happened and there's i will say for as many great things this pilot has terrible fight sequence like d minus on the fight scene and I think it's just because, again, like, they probably didn't have the budget. They use the sound effects. (laughs) They love sound effects. The sound of the door opening in the library kills me every single time. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. You can get – you can not be good at fight sequences for your pilot. I get it. (laughs) Like, you're allowed that pass because everything else is so great. Um But it is really interesting to see, like, you know, Buffy's strength here and her agility and the way that she goes about attacking these vampires because she's not supposed to be a pro at this point. Yeah, she's the chosen one. Yeah, she's a slayer. That doesn't mean she knows how to do it or effectively or the most efficiently. So at least there's a good bit of, like, back and forth. And that Luke guy then throws her against the wall. And now it actually seems like she's outmatched. Yeah, I mean, like, she does this whole thing to get all of the vampires' attention on her, where, like, she kind of starts beating the shit out of Darla, and Darla's like, who are you? And she goes, don't you know? But then (laughs) Luke shows up and grabs her and says, I don't care. Right. And so, like, she's caught completely surprised. And so, yeah, this is that thing where, like, she's been a slayer for, like, one semester, maybe. Right. And uh, I just – I love – when he throws her into the like little crypt thing and like her face while she's like, Oh my God, maybe he just left. Maybe I'm fine. I'm going to sit up. And then he jumps on her. That was immediately when I was like, shit, am I going to be scared? Am I going to be scared? <laughs> Cause it was like slow creeping up the music in the background. I'm like, don't do it. I start turning my head. Like I can't watch it. <laughs> and then credits. I know. And, like, yeah, when this originally aired, it was, like, that probably would have just been a commercial break. Sure. But in, you know, our streaming version of it, like, syndication, DVDs, et cetera, et cetera, that's just where the 2B continued is. But then The Harvest, which is technically episode two now, just picks right back up. 
Yep. Yeah, we don't get a previously on. We don't get any bullshit. We're just back in it. And luckily, Buffy's necklace saves the day for the time being. She jumps out and, like, runs after her friends. Fun fact, I have that necklace. (laughs) Of course I'm such a dork. No, it's fine. I, you know, um, in Winter Hill, Lucas's hoodie with the Keith Scott auto body shop, I got my best friend that hoodie uh, back in high school and he lost it and I was very mad at him. (gasps) That's rude. And he didn't tell me about it for a very long time because he knew how mad I was going to be. I'm sure I would never have told you. Like, I would literally have taken that to my grave. I would have photoshopped the hoodie onto myself in pictures to send to you. That's the thing. I thought he was, like, ashamed of it or embarrassed because I was like, why don't you ever wear this? And and he finally had to tell me because he fucking lost it. So mad. See, that's where I come in with the photoshopping. You know I love you because I'm like, even if I'm going to lose it, I'm going to pretend, like, I'm going to go to lengths. Right. <laughs> to make you think I still have it and that I love it so that I never hurt you. I'm just going to dig that grave as deep as I possibly can. <laughs> I've gone too far. Oh, I can't go man. back now. Exactly. Gosh. Well, then, like, what we're seeing after Buffy starts running, we get the opening cre- – well, on our streaming portion, we get the opening credits again. Um, and then we get, like, Giles talking about the history of demons – you know, all that kind of stuff. And now we know that Willow and Xander are part of the inner circle. So now we at least know that Xander, Willow, and Giles know about Buffy. Yeah. And like the long consecutive shot of Giles just like walking around the library, like the library becomes a very like central location. Obviously, mm-hmm. Giles is the librarian. Yep. But like, oh, he just, oh, he does it so well. He does these long monologues so well. <laughs> and I love this whole scene because like it does really give us a lot of exposition. Like the lore of vampires, you know, <laughs> I think Xander is the one who says it. Where he's like, they can fly. And Buffy just goes, they can drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like they can't fly. They can't turn into bats. The reason being because it was too expensive to do. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. But, like, Buffy goes ahead and says, like, they don't do those things, but, like, they can pretty much do anything a human can do except go out in sunlight and touch crosses. Right. Like, their vulnerabilities are still the same. Yeah. And, you know, Buffy gives the whole thing of, like, no, it was just – it was a trick of the light and they had bad hair and, like, bad skin and whatever, whatever. And she's like, no, you need to accept that vampires exist. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I love that, like, at one point, like – so Giles also talks about like the Slayer and like all of this, and Willow's just sitting there absorbing all of this, and all of a sudden she's just like, "Can I pass out now?" <laughs> okay, yeah, and she's like, "I need to sit down," and they're like, "You are sitting down." Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "Oh, okay, it's good to pass out. I'm good. <laughs> I've heard it all." Ugh, I just love it, but like, I also love the idea that they just get on board. They're like, yeah. "These exist." We have to stop it. Like, we want to be your friend. That means we're in everything. Slayer life, regular people life. Like, it's perfect The Buffy has an inner circle that she doesn't have to keep secrets from. Oh, 100%. And that's because that's like classic, I guess, plot point, drama point in most superhero shows is keeping this big of a secret from somebody who presumably is in your inner circle, a la Supergirl with Lena Luthor. 
truly, to be fair, Buffy does not keep the secret very well. I mean, later when they're at the bronze, like people may not have a name for what she is, but they all see it happen. Like yeah, they do has, explain it away. Yeah. I mean, she has zero disguise. Like there's literally nothing hiding who she is except for the fact that she's a new girl. But now everybody knows based on that. Yeah. But well, it probably doesn't help her that Cordelia is there every single time she's out slaying. True. True, true, true. But yeah, so they're trying to figure out like, all right, now that we know these vampires are here, how do we get to them? And so they're talking about how, you know, there's like a really intense like sewer system down below and la 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 la. So they might be down there, um, which is again, segue into the underground. And now the master and Luke recognize that there's a slayer, but they're like, well, she's probably going to come to us. So let's just wait it out. Yeah. They like, so through this whole escape after, you know, Luke tries to bite Buffy and then her cross scares him away. Like, Xander and Willow are still running away. Jesse is with them and they figure out that the vampires have Jesse. And at this point is when Luke and the master are like, we can just use Jesse as bait. Yeah. Which accurate and good plan. I know. Right. And like, literally it is exactly what happens because back up in the library, you know, Willow's like, oh, I accidentally decrypted a firewall and broke into blah, 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 blah. And not like, she's just a hacker. I loved it. I, as soon as I started hearing mumbo jumbo as it relates to computer whilst tapping on a keyboard, I was like, I know what this is. Every supernatural superhero, every group, has to have a computer person, whether they're a hacker or just really good with, like, toys. And the fact that it's Willow makes so much sense. And also I'm like, girl, you are Felicity Smoke before Felicity Smoke was a thing. Because now I'm like, oh, my God, this is totally her. Because I think of Felicity's lines and how she delivers them. Well, I guess Emily Bett Records, how she delivers them. And it's so probably different than like any other audition they probably got right and now I'm like well man I wonder if she was inspired by Willow because I could totally see it here oh my god that would make me so happy to find that out I could see it like think about her delivery on stuff and how she sticks her foot in her mouth and speaks really fast and yeah anyway I loved it I was like yes we need a hacker we've got one what does Xander do (laughs) literally nothing well, he tries to be the hero. He tries to be like, I can help. I can help. And she's like, you literally can't. Well, and so this is the thing. Like, they pretty quickly slot Willow in. Like, she talks about how much she loves Giles and she thinks he's so awesome and he brought all these books. And then Giles, like, cannot understand a computer. So he's like, Willow, I need you here with me. Like, you are a pivotal part of this team. Mm-hmm. And then – Xander gets all like toxic masculinity where he's like, well, I'm the man. Therefore I have to go do the saving. And Buffy's like, I'm literally a slayer. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like she's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like literally she says, I'm the slayer. You're not. And Xander goes, I knew you'd throw that back in my face. I'm inadequate. I'm less than a man. No, you're just not a slayer. (laughs) Right. I'm like, oh, like Buffy immediately tries to go leave school to save Jesse, which is the best. I love that she's walking out and Principal Flutie tries to stop her and she's like, I was looking at the fence. 
<laughs> that's normal. I know. It's amazing, too, because, like, she literally is can't think of a single excuse. And I also have to comment on her outfit because she looked like a mom. But her sunglasses were very 16-year-old, so that made up for it. But, yeah, she has zero thing to say to, like, get herself out of the situation and let him let her escape. And so he, like, eventually walks away and she just hops the fence, which is amazing. She just, like, whoop, big jump. No one will see. It's fine. I love when she hops the fence. (laughs) It's so silly, but it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, back inside, Sandra and Willow are trying to go to class, and, like, Willow knows where her spot in life is. She knows, like, I'm the computer girl. I have to go to class, and I can't do anything until she gets back. And, like, I think she's even going to computer class, so it's perfect for her. Mm -hmm. But Xander keeps saying, like, you should go to class because he's planning on also skipping school to go find Buffy because he knows where she's going and help her save the day. Right, and he's just, like – Again, it's like you said, it's the toxic max ugh, toxic masculinity thing to feel helpless and overwhelmed, I guess, with the secret or with whatever's going on. And, like, he just feels super powerless. And it's like, dude, it's not your place. Like, you don't need to be powerful here. Like, you're not the one. You're only overwhelmed with this because, like, you don't have a job and because you were told this. If you never knew about this, you would not. Like, you'd just be going about your normal day. So yeah. I was no, over it's, it. It's a very interesting thing. Like it sucks because it's constantly like the only reason Xander does what he does is because he feels like he has to be the man. But at the same time, the whole thesis of the show is that Buffy only survives in the way that she does because of her friends. Mm. Like that's what makes her different. Like they talk repeatedly about how slayers have a very short shelf life. Mm. Yeah. Like, they just don't survive. And then Buffy survives, you know, the seven seasons of the show and beyond. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's again, it's like a classic superhero thing. It's always like the stronger together, found family. You know, it, it's very much the even though I'm technically not supposed to tell anyone my identity, I have to because I'm also still a human who needs a support system or an alien who lives on a human planet <laughs> who needs a support system. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense that she needs resources, right? Like, her friends are not just, like, emotional support. They're, like, physical resources. We just don't know what Xander's job is yet. And t- to be fair, I don't think the show ever really gives him a good job. Like, it gets to a point where when they switch over to college, he starts working in construction. So every time the house gets destroyed from demon fights, like, he just puts in new windows. Perfect. That's a great That's job, job to have. There's so much collateral damage when it comes to like buildings and, and stuff. So yeah, you need it. You need somebody to fix it. I love that for him. Right? Like that is perfect. Not this where he just like sneaks up on her in the sewer system and is like, I brought a flashlight. Yeah. No, Xander. Ugh. Ugh. And it makes me so mad that he ends up helping her later. Yeah. I mean... It's predictable, right? Like, it's it's interesting, though, I will say, because, like, right before you see Xander, we get another appearance from Angel where you learn his name is Angel. And he says, like, this is a trap. Like, 
this like he's just bait they're expecting you but then he still kind of guides her right he tells her exactly where to go once she's down there but then like so you're like okay great and she's gonna listen to him and she's gonna do this thing so to have that and then have xander come in and just like mess it all up and distract her that's what ends up getting her in trouble because Angel told her what to do, where to go. She, He knew she's walking to, into a trap and still told her what to do, right? Xander, mm-hmm. she doesn't know Xander's coming, so she gets distracted because she has to now worry about him. And so he, she has to, like, teach him how to kill vampires. Yeah, and this is, like, truly already they're setting up this love triangle of, like, buff or, like, angle like I wouldn't even call it a triangle because Xander's in love with Buffy and then Buffy is in love with Angel like she doesn't even register Xander outside of the fact that he is there especially the fact that Willow has a crush on him and you know Buffy sticks to like girl code of like I'm not doing Mm -hmm. that to my friend she's in love with you you are off limits there is also this like little scene where Willow is in computer class and Cordelia is just like telling Harmony uh, who uh, Mercedes McNabb, I don't know if you recognized her. The only other thing I know her from outside of Buffy and Angel is when she was in both Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values as two separate characters. Yeah, so I recognized her face, but even when I look through her IMDb, I was like, man, I don't know. But she just has like one of those really familiar faces. So I'm sure I've seen her in something. I just couldn't place it. Yeah, in Adam's Family, she's the Girl Scout who tries to sell them Girl Scout cookies and they're like, oh, we'll trade you for our lemonade. And she goes, is it made with real lemons? And then Wednesday goes, are those made of real Girl Scouts? (laughs) Love it. I love her so much. And then she's the like blonde popular girl at summer camp in Adam's Family Values again with Wednesday. She gives me very much like Kate Sanders vibe from Lizzie McGuire. And like that's very perfect for her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, she's great. I love her so much. <laughs> like Yeah, it was uh, it was an excellent scene though cuz like there are, like Willow's doing her research, somebody else is like asking this random guy in class asks about I know. Buffy. They're talking about her and her old school and then Will- Willow just subtly diabolically tells um Cordelia a command. I forget what it was. Deliver. Deliver. And so she hits the delete button. I love it. And I was like, I love Willow. She's my favorite. I love her so much. Like, she's such a little smarty. Mm-hmm. And I just, oh, I love that, like, Cordelia is telling everybody about what happened with Buffy. And she's like, yeah, she just attacked me screaming, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And Willow's like, no, she didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, Willow already getting some self-confidence. Well, and and she's already, like, feeling protective of her friend, right? Who she's known all of two days. I know. So I love that journey for her. I love it so much. Yeah, I think in the first couple episodes, they try and call themselves the Slayerettes, but then they turn into the Scooby Squad, Scooby Gang. Do love that. Yeah, they're the Scoobies. I love that. I love it so much. And then Sarah Michelle Gellar went on to be in Scooby-Doo. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's a perfect Daphne. She looks so good in those movies. Honestly, like all of the characters who played – I'm sorry, all the actors who played the characters were perfect. Like, I never knew I needed Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. (laughs) But when he played him, he was like, 
It was like he was born to be Shaggy. <laughs> no, I I love the journey that Matthew Lillard has gone on. Like, it's not necessarily the one I think he expected to, but like, yeah, he was in Scream. Then he was in those Scooby-Doo movies. Then he played Shaggy for like years as a voice mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. And now he owns a and d company. Yeah, and he was a, a kind of a dirtbag husband in Good Girls turned really good dad. And I just feel like that's Matthew Lillard, not the shitty cheating husband part, but just the good dad. That to me is on brand for Matthew Lillard. That's what he seems like. Yeah. I like Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Matthew Lillard, come on the pod. Oh my God. If only. Could you imagine? (laughs) Could we ever pull somebody like him? No. The answer is no. (laughs) No. (laughs) But Uh, then we'd be one degree from Sarah Michelle Gellar. So. Oh my God. Stop. (laughs) I know. I I was literally, I wanted to say that so you would swoon. (laughs) No, like, we have talked about how meeting famous people is just, like, not in the cards for us. Like, we just make it weird. So, like, yeah, I have met James Marsters and Claire Kramer, and I didn't meet Eliza Eliza Dushkoop because you had to spend money on that. And I would have. The thing is, I'm not going to spend money just to make it weird for the person. I mean, that's a fair point. I probably should pay them with how weird I make it. (laughs) But I didn't. No, but I totally get that. Like, that's such a pleaser move of us to be like, we don't want you to have a bad experience, Miss Celebrity. Like, (laughs) yeah, no. Forget about me. You know, I can't mess things up for you. When I met James Marsters at Dragon Con, like, I sent y'all the picture. I love Mm -hmm. this man. He's a beautiful man. Uh, we asked if we could take a picture with him and he was like, well, I can't look at the camera unless you pay for it. So I will look at you while you look at the camera. And he looked at me like so lovingly. That's better. (laughs) I'm probably just like putting that on him. He was probably just like, I can't wait for this to be over. They're not paying me. (laughs) Let me fake smile myself out of this. (laughs) Oh, but it was such a good smile. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know what we would do if we ever got somebody famous. I, I just would never do it. Like, my anxiety gets ahead of me where I'm like, I can't even ask. I think I could do it, but I would literally have to have, like, a document. Like, I'd have to plan my conversation <laughs> beforehand and not deviate. And then just stare at him. Well, and then you look at him and I'm like, shit, I lost my place. <laughs> I would have to tape my mouth shut just to, like, not say things and make things awkward. I don't I would have to have a pile of shirts just like <laughs> ready I'm to a, change into. I'm actually just gonna turn this camera off. Like just don't worry about it. Yeah. It's fine. I'm still here. <sighs> yeah. Any anyway. 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 So Jesse is bait. Like they end yep. up finding him down in the like whatever they call them, electrical tunnels or whatever. And he's still in, like, normal face. Like, we as the viewer find out pretty quickly that, like, he has been turned. Mm -hmm. But, like, he's trying to lead them out. They get into this room that ends up being a dead end because he's led them there. And then he vamps out and is just like, Xander, man, my life is so great now, blah, blah, blah. This, honestly, so Xander hates vampires. Like, obviously everyone doesn't like vampires, but Xander hates vampires and this is really, like, what solidifies it. Like, they take his best friend away from him. 
So, like, he just cannot tolerate the thought of them. Okay. So it's not that he necessarily hated them beforehand, but now that they've gotten his best friend, he is, like, a legitimate hatred towards them. Yeah, because, like, Jesse is just not Jesse anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's talking about how he can hear the worms in the earth and, like, all this stuff, and he's attacking them. Like, they end up, you know, throwing him into the other vampires and escaping through some, like, grate in the electrical place. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, someone grabs onto Buffy and they have to, like, pull the hand up into the sunlight because then it'll start burning and it pulls away. And, like, yeah, Xander saves her, but, like, she wouldn't have been in this problem to begin with, I feel like. Yeah, I don't really call it saving because she still got them out of there with her super strength and and her dexterity and all that. So I don't really consider that him saving. Um, But regardless, they get out of it and we see that the master is, like, super disappointed that Buffy got away and then he kills another vampire I oh think. yeah when he just like shoves his hand in the guy's face it's like yeah. you got something yeah like we're supposed to assume that vampire is dead yep and um and then we get a cute little scene with giles and willow where they're still researching they're they're kind of still trying to figure out what this whole harvest thing is and so then willow finds something about this massive earthquake back in 1937 which is conveniently 60 years prior Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she mentions that there's, like, a ton of murders very similar to what Giles told her to look for right around this earthquake. And so, like, we get this brief interlude back downstairs. The master is putting this blood mark on Luke, basically creating, like, Luke is the vessel. And now if Luke drinks blood, that magically restores the master's strength and he can break out of his prison. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So now we know, like, the ultimate endgame here which is to get as many bodies into the master as possible as many blood from as many bodies as good lord as much blood from as many bodies into the master as possible because then he will rise yeah and so you know buffy and xander get back they tell willow that they couldn't save jesse willow moves on pretty quickly <laughs> yeah she does i'm like to his credit, Xander, like, throws something or, like, knocks something over because he's so mad about what just happened to Jesse. But, yeah, Willow's just like, well, you did your best. <laughs> you did all you could. And, like, Giles does not care at all. He's just like, yeah, whatever, that guy's dead. Now the harvest. Yes. The impending doom that we have. And the last time the master tried to take over the world, this is what happened. So then Xander finally has a good idea and suggests that the vessel's going to go to the bronze to feed because that's just going to be a ton of people just minding their own business. Yeah. Friday, no cover. Doesn't make sense that there's no cover on a Friday, but okay. But sure, we'll take it. You know, whatever. And like, you know, Buffy just goes with it. She's like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I got to go home and get some supplies. And she does. And I got to say, that high pony serves Buffy so well. I love when she has, like, good hair moments. I mean, (laughs) 90% of her hair moments are good moments. I just love the high pony. I was like, yep, that works. And finally, we get Joyce to put her foot down. Buffy's gathering her supplies. She's about to leave. But then she's like, you know what, Buffy? You're grounded. Like, she's basically like, I can't. I, you got to stay here. Like, you can't just skip school. You just burned down to your last one. Like, you can't just do whatever you want. You're still 16, which makes sense. 
Yeah, and I love the like irony here where she's like, it's always life or death when you're 16. I'm like, but mm-hmm. it is life or death. Literally. It's just, it's just like people are going to die. The end of the world is coming. And this is kind of why I wish Joyce knew. I know. And I love that Joyce, like, still, it seems like she has no idea how to ground Buffy because she's like, if you want to stay up here in Sulk, that's totally fine. Or you can come downstairs and have dinner. And, like, five seconds after she shuts the door, Buffy's out her window. Yeah, she gone. Like, <laughs> she thinks she's so naive enough to think that Buffy's not just going to, like, sneak out. And, like, yeah, does she just not check on her? I'm pretty sure, like, Buffy and Joyce do have a really hard time for the first couple of seasons, mm-hmm. which, like, can also, you know, be written off to the idea that Buffy is a teenager and, like, getting in trouble at school and Joyce doesn't know what's going on. Right. But yeah, like she presumably does not come back and check on her. Yeah. Or like if she knocks on the door and Buffy doesn't say anything, she's like, oh, she's still mad at me. Or she's sleeping or something. Like, yeah. 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 And then we get to the bronze. Cordelia's talking to her friends. This is quite literally a filler scene. Like it only exists because they needed to fill time. Right. Like I think Joss said they were short like three minutes. Ah, so this is literally the scene. Yeah, I feel like if you put together all the Cordelia scenes, like, you make up the time they were short. That's funny. Yeah, and, like, you – like, even Jesse walks up to Cordelia, and now she's – or he is just oozing with confidence where he wasn't before. He, like, forces her to – he tells her to shut up. And then they start dancing. I hated that. Like, seriously, there are just, like, little drops of toxic masculinity all throughout this show, yep. Every like, with Xander and then also with Jesse and all these things. I'm just like, we can see it. You're not I a know. feminist. How he could think he is with that dialogue. I, mm. Anywho. Anywho. So Darla and the demons show their demon faces as they're, like, walking towards the club. In this dark alley to this grungy music. Mm-hmm. And it's actually great. Like, I kind of loved that. I loved it so much. And then, like, yeah, they go inside and immediately one of them, like, runs upstairs to cut the lights so that Luke can get on the stage and announce himself. And then they can turn a spotlight on him. Like, they are so dramatic. I love it. So dramatic. It was so dramatic. It was so, like, we're putting on a show and everyone will watch. Yeah. And he literally, he makes them watch while he starts to kill people and then – you like see Buffy has gotten up onto the balcony and she like throws this other vamp down and she says, you didn't think I'd miss this. Did you? (laughs) The one liners though. See, that's the thing is like, I can overlook the really bad fight sequences because of the really good dialogue. And I'm just so spoiled by all of the current action that we get, like with our fight scenes and stuff in shows. So I'm like, okay, like all over the – hi was even in the closed captioning. I know. I know. And like to <laughs> to be fair, like they are – earlier in the episode, they do set lore. You know, Willow says they should call the cops, which like, no, Willow, you do not call the cops. But then Buffy says guns don't work. So like it explains why she has to get all punchy and kicky and like – Totally. They just love their sound effects. Like you yeah. can't get around it. That's the thing. Like, you can so clearly tell tell they're not fighting. And, like, that's just a, a product of 1997, right? Like, it's not any kind of um, 
indictment on the show or the content or the acting or anything. It just shows the time. Because even if you watch Alias, which I only could watch a couple of episodes of that show, which I was really disappointed and I should probably give her another go. But because it was so dated. But if you watch Alias, and that was still like 2001 or 2003 or something like that, like yeah. very early 2000s, but still 2000s. And the fight scenes are bad. And you're just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta step out of that. Because like, we're so spoiled with the effects and the stunts and like all that stuff. So that's why I'm like, I'm okay with these fight sequences being horrible, because everything else is great. Like, yeah. Well, Whereas in a hokey show like Arrow, the fight scenes are what make you stay. <laughs> and yeah, to be fair, in like a lot of fight scenes, there's still like quippiness and like fun and something else. Like the episode I was watching earlier is I think later in season one and Buffy slays a vampire and she stakes him and he dusts and Giles just like pops out from behind a grave and is like, that was sloppy. <laughs> like He's grading her while she's fighting. See, that's the kind of stuff that makes you stay because you're like, what quip is coming after this? What comment? What, you know, observation? What am I about to hear? Because it's probably my own inner dialogue. It's so perfect. Yeah, Just, that's why it's good. I love them all so much. I, I did absolutely love <laughs> that. I mean, love, hate now that I... I'm kind of in the right headspace with Xander, but I love that he was like about to kill Jesse and Jesse's like, you couldn't do it. And then somebody just runs into him and he does them and he's like, Whoa. and so now I kind of feel bad because that was his best friend, but I also thought it was hilarious. No, it like truly this episode really sets the tone for Xander. Like he hates vampires. Like, yeah. yeah I mean like your best friend got turned and then you had to kill him accidentally but like you still were like threatening to do it yeah you were close enough to where if someone did bump into you (laughs) who knows what could happen yeah I mean to be fair that stake was like a little too high but it's fine yeah it still works it's fine Um, and then I love the trick about the sunrise right like Buffy's like (gasps) some quip about it's the sun and it's like he looks and, he and he's so scared. <laughs> she's like, it's in about nine hours. Yeah. And then just stakes them, dusts them, whatever you want to call it. And all the other vampires just decide to run away because their leader's done. Um, and as they're running out, Angel is out there just observing, just there. We know he's a friend, but what does he do? Nobody knows. And he just says, she did it. I'll be damned. And I'm like, mm, I'll be damned. That's an interesting choice of words there, Angel. Well, and it's very interesting. So when they're in the mausoleum earlier and he's like talking to Buffy and she's like, well, I would do anything for a friend, wouldn't you? And he doesn't respond. And she's like, that wasn't supposed to be a trick question. Yeah. Like Angel is just like so mysterious. But again, he's someone that she doesn't have to hide her secret from. Well, that and, you know, she's immediately trusting of him in a way that it can only be explained by the fact that he's supernatural and that she doesn't have to hide her secret. So she likely can put her guard down because this is somebody that she can immediately feel comfortable with, even if she's like questioning his existence or his point, you know, it's like, she can still just be like, okay, whatever. Like, why are you the way that you are? But also like, who are you? But thank you for the necklace and bye. 
<laughs> right? Well, because like up until now, up until she meets Giles and he tells her about the Hellmouth and like how there's like all these other things, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she only knows about vampires. So like when she attacks an angel and he like doesn't have a vamp face and he tells her like, I know what you're thinking. I don't bite. He gives her a cross. Like I do feel like that just lets her guard down. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. And I just, ugh, I do love a good sunrise fake out. Hocus pocus. Right? <laughs> I love it so Man, much. Man, vampires are dumb. <laughs> They're so dumb. And I I love how many times where they like come up against the Slayer and the idea that like their food fights back, they just bail. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, I didn't expect you to fight me. Exactly. So just leave. And yeah, like Buffy saves the day. They all walk out of the bronze. It's the next I guess it's Monday at school because Cordelia was saying it was Friday at the bronze and Cordelia is just telling everyone that she was a freak show and was like doing all of this stuff, even though like everyone at the bronze saw Buffy saving their lives Mm -hmm. and Harmony wishes she was there at the harvest. (laughs) Oh, to be like young and naive and have so much FOMO. I know. And like, yeah, we like cut over to Buffy and the Scoobies and she's like, I don't know what you guys expected. Like, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. Yep. And Giles tries to be real serious with them. Like, the next threat we face could be different. And Buffy says, well, you never know. Maybe I could still get kicked out of school. Exactly. She could. Like, I could just get kicked out of school. I'm going to do extreme not doing my homework. Exactly. Gosh. I just, ugh, I love just them walking away, being so casual about this, like laughing so they don't cry kind of a thing. And Giles just goes, the earth is doomed. Credits. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, nothing will ever be the same as is established by any kind of pilot, but especially one that involves the supernatural. So we are off and running with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I love her so much. And yeah, literally, the next episode is called The Witch. Perfect. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, no, I enjoyed this, honestly, more than I thought I would. Because, you know, for being as into television as I am, I have never really found an affinity for, like, the supernatural-type shows. Um, Mostly because I've always been scared of that kind of stuff. This also was at a time it premiered in 1997, went to 2004 or three. Yeah. And so this was very like kid years for me. Right. So when it came in syndication, it just was never one that I like gravitated towards. So it was always one of those shows that I always knew I should watch because it was I would always heard how iconic it was and how influential it was on so many other things. It just never made it to the top of my list. And so I'm really glad I watched it and I'll likely continue it because now that I know it's more of like a monster of the week thing with an overarching big bad, that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, okay, that's probably something easier to watch than something really, really heavy or, you know, even heavy or even easier to watch than something like Riverdale, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I would even say like, you know, it's not, like, supernatural that, like, gets really dark and, like, always is very serious and, like, has lighter episodes. It's a lot more like Legends where it's mostly lighter episodes and then you have to deal with the big bad. Oh, like, well. 
sold. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I could draw so many parallels with legends. Like there is a little bit of a rotating cast just because as they age, like people start yeah. coming into the group. Like Giles is rip, but significantly better. So much better. What that did bar you think is of- so low. What did you think of Giles? <laughs> no, I loved him. I like I appreciated his quippiness, his Britishness, and the fact that he's like a legit resource. But I also love that he's not an oracle. You know, like he's still learning too. So I think so many times we we get lost in this expert, like right, like we deal with so many shows like this that you have a specialist, right? They're an expert in one thing and they know everything about it, whether it's like engineering or healthcare or whatever. And so I appreciate that Giles loves being a librarian and like being a scholar, but he doesn't know everything about being a watcher because he's new to it. So he's got, he enjoys the research. He doesn't know everything about the topic. Yeah. And they like, they go very specific on that. Like, Angel or, you know, Angel will come to Buffy and tell her something is coming or she'll overhear somebody else or like she'll stake a vampire and he leaves behind a necklace. Like Mm. there's something that happens. She brings it to Giles and he'll say like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to figure it out. And then like he just throws himself into research and will find the answer. Yeah. See, I like that. So, I mean, I'm on board with Giles as as a resource as well as like the person. I love him. I love his <laughs> I love glasses. Him. I love his face. I love his outfits. I love his voice. I like what he does. I love him. I love his history. Oh, when you get his backstory. Spoiler alert, much like Riverdale, everyone in this show can technically sing. Oh, thank God. <laughs> there is a musical episode. I'm trying to think, like, have there? I feel like there's been more shows than not that have a musical episode these days. I don't think they're doing it to the scale that they used to, but Dragon Con every year would do Once More with Feeling, but they would do it in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm. So they'd have, like, real-life actors, like, doing a shadow act in front of the show, and, like, everyone would scream and, like, throw stuff. So fun. I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, it was great. Like I said, it was better than I expected. It was different than I expected, too. Um, I didn't expect the dialogue to be as great as it was. So, yeah. Kudos to the writers. If you do keep watching it, you have to watch it on Hulu. You cannot watch it on Amazon Prime, even though it's on Amazon Prime, because from what I understand, both have the remasters, but Prime's remaster changes the aspect ratio because they filmed it on, like, whatever, 4.3. 4 by 3 Yeah, and then... They upscaled it from SD to HD, and it does not look good. It was not well done. And then when they put it on Prime, they put it widescreen. So, like, yeah, there are literal scenes in college when they're, like, in a dorm room, and they, you know, pan over to Allison Hannigan in her dorm room, and there's just, like, a man sitting in the corner of her dorm room because there's <laughs> there's crew that weren't supposed to be in the shot. And in 4.3, they're not there, but then you open it up and all of a sudden there's just like some dude on his phone. What a mess. What? It's horrible. Well, now I have to watch it on Amazon Prime. I'll, I'll find it. Like, I, yeah. I bought the digital versions on Amazon Prime because of course I did. I'll take a screenshot and I'll send it to you. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Man, that's so funny. You're right though. I'm going to start making all these like 
parallels to Legends because if you say it's like my favorite, my actual one of my favorite shows, then I'm gonna start looking for it. Like I just feel like it is. They have a couple of episodes where it's like very real horror, and then yeah. they have ones that are like just out there. Like mm. I, they don't have a hundred foot tall Bebo, but Ugh. there is it. There is one season where like they defeat the big bad an episode early, and so the last episode is like the lead into the next season because they do that like mm-hmm. they'll finish and then the first couple episodes of the next season are like wrap up here's where everyone's been over the summer and blah 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 and then the big bad gets introduced mm-hmm. but there's this one season where they like beat the big bad they all go back to Buffy's house to have like a movie night and they all fall asleep immediately because they're exhausted from fighting the big bad and they have these bizarro dreams where like Willow is supposed to be in a stage play and there's just a man with a tray of cheese. Man, I can't wait till you get to the uh, puppets episode of the Legends. So there's a puppets episode of Angel. <laughs> Angel gets turned into a puppet, and it's only him. Everyone else is still themselves, and then he's a little like Sesame Street puppet. Oh yeah, these are like straight up Sesame Street puppets, and the only one who's not a puppet is John. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh. I feel like I love John Constantine because I love Giles and Spike. Oh yeah. He's very much like, I mean, he's a demon. He's a demonologist. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. I can see the parallels. He's a master of the dark arts, but not really a master. People always say he's not really a master, but his nasty piece of work is what he is. Truly, I could keep going, but I won't because we're pushing two hours on this recording. Do y'all have any other final comments no you guys know my quote of the week because i revealed it because i could not i had guesses anyway do you want to know what they are yeah 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 yeah. uh willow telling xander where the books live (laughs) yes yes that was almost one (laughs) Uh, i loved that so much i wrote down so many god um it's so quotable i yeah like just buffy being like how keen and then um, Xander calling Sunnydale a one Starbucks town. And mm-hmm. then, uh, God, Cordelia saying, don't you have an elsewhere to be? <laughs> yes. Oh like, God. I just want to use this in my life. I just, I love Cordelia so much. I don't remember exactly what she says in computer class, but it's like, do I listen in on your conversations? No, because you're boring. Yeah, she's such a mean girl. I love her. Ugh, I, I gave like, you permission to exist. Still want to marry Charisma Carpenter. I mean, yeah. Also, when it's my birthday next year, we'll almost definitely be covering Veronica Mars. Charisma Carpenter in Veronica Mars. Word. Okay, I feel like that's all I have. Yeah, that's yeah, it. They're all good. I think... <laughs> I think the only other ones that I wrote down that were like actual contenders, because I wrote down a lot of quotes just so I could remember. It was definitely going to be like, it was full of vamp asbestos. Because I just, <laughs> I love any time like somebody's trying to hide their identity. Um, mostly because it made me think of Supergirl. One last <sighs> fun fact. The Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie was produced by Dolly Parton's production company. Oh, as if I could love it more. Thanks, Dolly. Thanks for everything, Dolly. Good Lord. I've got the Dolly shot. Now I've got Dolly TV. 
<laughs> she's a lifesaver. She really is. Maybe yeah. she's a slayer. Oh, my God. She would be. <laughs> well, I guess that's all we have. So if y'all like this content and want more of it, you should follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to Podcast. Yeah, let us know what you thought of this episode if you watch along with us, but also keep sending your ideas for more shows that we should do. We'll always do them on our birthday, but maybe, who knows, we might do a random bonus episode. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, uh, but tell us your thoughts on what you'd like us to cover at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family, all of those different things. Uh, those really help us get seen, which helps build a community, which means that we're able to give you a better product in total. And if you give us a five-star review, we'll give you a shout out on the pod. So do that thing. And from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go where the books live. I'm a person on a date who turns into a vampire. And I'm conveniently located over a hellmouth. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya.